0: Would you pray with me? O God, may the words that I speak and the thoughts that we think be acceptable to you. For you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I have been thinking a lot lately about nostalgia and memory and what it means to remember. Throughout the pandemic, I found myself longing for the past on a pretty regular basis. I would catch myself thinking back to when life was simple, when we didn't have to calculate the risk of every interaction outside of our immediate family, when we could walk into any public place without wearing a mask, or when we could go to the grocery store and find the shelves well-stocked with toilet paper. And now that things are closer to pre-pandemic life than they used to be, when my family's schedule is busy again and we have lots of activities and obligations, well now I find myself fondly remembering those days early in the pandemic when everything was shut down, when we had an abundance of family time at home. If I'm not careful, I allow myself to forget how stressful that was and how we often felt trapped because we were home all the time. The grass is always greener, right? Or maybe the past is always greener. Of course, what I've been doing in this focusing on the past is engaging in nostalgia. It is defined in the Oxford Dictionary as a sentimental longing or wistful affection for the past. In an an article published in the New York Times, author John Tierney uh, describes the origins of the term. It was first coined by a Swiss physician in 1688 who called it a neurological disease of essentially demonic cause. Apparently, Military physicians were concerned about the prevalence of nostalgia in Swiss mercenaries who had been sent abroad. They speculated that those soldiers kept longing for the past because, get this, their eardrums and brains had been damaged by the unremitting clanging of cowbells in the Alps. I guess it gives that phrase, more cowbell, a whole new meaning, right? In our modern culture, nostalgia certainly is not considered demonic, but it doesn't always have a positive connotation either. When we engage in nostalgia, we can tend to gloss over all of the difficult or negative parts of the past and only focus on the good things that happened. And until relatively recently, doing anything more than a little reminiscing was considered a red flag for depression. Living in the past, rather than living forward, wasn't thought to be healthy. But John Tierney says that those who have studied nostalgia more recently have found that it can actually have a positive impact on us. Nostalgia can counteract loneliness, boredom, and anxiety. It makes people more generous to strangers and more tolerant of outsiders. On cold days or in cold rooms, people who turn to nostalgia can literally feel warmer. It actually has a physiological effect on our bodies. Nostalgia can make life seem more meaningful, says Tierney. And it can make death less frightening. There is power in remembering. And the night before his death, Jesus was gathered with his friends around a table. He took a loaf of bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke the bread and he poured wine and he gave them to his disciples. And he said, this is my body and this is my blood. They are given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And they did. And we do. Once a month and on nights like this, we gather together as a community, whether we're online or here in person, and we remember. We reenact what Jesus did and we eat and drink in remembrance of him. So I suppose, in a way, we Christians live in the past. After all, our whole reason for being as a church is centered on the life, death, and resurrection of someone who lived 2,000 years ago. Every week, we read an ancient text that has formed us as a community and informed how we live our lives. This week especially, as we retell the story of Jesus' journey to the cross, we place ourselves in that story. We are the children that waved palm branches as Jesus entered Jerusalem. We are the disciples who claimed to love Jesus and yet betrayed him. And we are the women who discovered the empty tomb and ran to tell the good news. We remember. We weren't even there and yet we remember. We are living in the past on purpose. And yet we're not only living in the past. In our United Methodist tradition, we understand that Holy Communion is in part a remembrance, a commemoration, and a memorial. But this remembrance isn't just reminiscence or nostalgia. It is a representation in the here and now of what God has done in the past. This representation by the power of the Holy Spirit draws the past into the present. We are the disciples. We are gathered around a table and we are watching Jesus break bread and pour wine as he prepares for his own body to be broken, his own blood to be poured out. And in that way, Jesus Christ is present here and now. Not just in the story we tell about what happened long ago, but in the very act of breaking bread and drinking from the cup with the gathered community. When we do this in remembrance of him, we don't leave our present reality behind. We come to this table with our joys and our celebrations with our hurts and our struggles. And the act of remembering doesn't make those things go away. But it does open us to the powerful gift of Christ's presence with us. This Christ who knew joy and sorrow and suffering and who celebrates and grieves and suffers with us. Remembering the past opens us to a profound grace right here in the present. There is power in remembering. When we gather at this table, when we celebrate Holy Communion as a community of faith, we are remembered and we are re-slash-membered. Though we may have forgotten who we are, Jesus Christ has not forgotten us. Though we as a people may be divided, or distracted, or detached, or disconnected, or disengaged, though we as the body of Christ may be broken into a million pieces, Christ gathers us in at this table Christ puts us back together again at this table where everyone is welcome. We come from diverse backgrounds and sometimes it feels like we have more differences than commonalities, but at this table, we are put back together, one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. We are re- there is power in remembering and so it is that from the past will come the future at this table where we remember where we find nourishment in the presence of Christ and in the unity of the body of Christ we are also given a glimpse of the kingdom of God we're given a foretaste of that heavenly banquet where the whole creation will be made new. And this vision becomes our mission. If at the table of Christ everyone is welcome, so we are to welcome all people. If at the table of Christ everyone receives forgiveness, so we are to forgive others. If at the table of Christ, everyone is fed, so we are to share our resources. We are called to work together as the body of Christ so that our present reality looks a little bit more like the kingdom of God each and every day. I read a story recently about UMCOR, which is the United Methodist Committee on Relief. And it's, the article was about how UMCOR is working with our United Methodist Churches in Eastern Europe to bring relief to the Ukrainian refugees. The story described um, how a large sum of money was donated by a member of the Korean United Methodist Church in Atlanta. The donor, who asked to remain anonymous, sent a letter with her donation. In it, she noted that the plight of Ukraine reminded her of the Korean War. During that war, her father had fled North Korea as a boy, and he had received a helping hand from a minister in South Korea. Her family's story of struggle has become a source of comfort and hope for others. And the world looks a little bit more like the kingdom of God. There is power in remembering. The Sunny Day Club is a ministry here at West End where people in the early stages of memory loss can enjoy fellowship and friendship and stimulation in a safe and loving environment. This ministry also provides a much needed time of respite for family caregivers. But due to the pandemic and the vulnerability of that population, the Sunny Day Club has not met for two years. But that hasn't stopped our volunteers. They have made doorstep deliveries. They have sent cards and care packages. They have kept in touch with our Sunny Day families so that they know that they have not been forgotten. So that they can continue to feel loved and supported. Soon Sunny Day will restart their in-person ministry. And they will welcome new families into the sunny day club. And the world looks a little bit more like the kingdom of God. There is power in remembering. This week, during our staff meeting, Emily Robbins and Maggie Jarrell shared about a gathering that included our confirmands and our youth on Sunday night. As you can imagine, or perhaps you have experienced yourself, it can be a little intimidating as a sixth grader to walk into a room that's owned and occupied by a bunch of older students. But our youth welcomed these confirmands with smiles and silly games. Apparently there was even a friendly wrestling match that helped to break the ice, thankfully it didn't break any bones. These young people lived out the call to welcome others and to be in community with people who may be different from them. And the world looks a little bit more like the kingdom of God. There is power in remembering. Friends, as we gather at this table tonight, may we be a people who remember. Not just so that we can live in the past, but so that by the power of the Holy Spirit we might find nourishment in the presence of Christ here and now. And that we might work toward a future in which our whole world looks a little bit more like the kingdom of God. May it be so. Amen.